Well, today we have got to uh, part number five of our Chasing the Wind series. And for those of you who haven't been here for this series or you've come in bits and, uh, a few weeks, haven't been here other weeks, we've basically been going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And, uh, and, and like I said, I still am struggling to spell Ecclesiastes. Like when I'm typing my sermon, I'm typing Ecclesiastes, and all this red is still coming under it. I'm, I will get the spelling right of Ecclesiastes before we finish this series, I tell you. But, um, but Ecclesiastes is basically found right in the middle of the Bible. So open your Bible up into the middle. You'll find the book of Ecclesiastes. There's 12 chapters. And it's basically all about a man called Solomon who was regarded as probably the wisest man who has ever lived. And he basically wrote uh, some of the word, things that he had learned during his life towards the end of his life. And basically, it's a pretty depressing book. And for those of you who've gone through each week, it really is. I mean, the words that Solomon says is, is, is pretty depressing. But even through these depressing words, even through basically almost some cynical words that we see that this man Solomon says, there is some incredible truth and wonderful wisdom that we, we, we can get out of it. And today I want to deal with two questions. And I think these are the two hardest questions that you can ever ask in life. And I remember a few weeks ago, someone sent me an email and basically asked me this question. And, and it really got me thinking because I really found it hard to answer. And the two questions are this. Why do bad things happen to good people? And then the second question, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Anyone answer that question this morning? You want to know? Me too. I want to know as well. It's a question that for centuries upon centuries, I think before the beginning of human life, People have asked this question. Many have come up with different answers. Some people blame that there's sin in, in this world. And because of the sin, then these bad things happen. Others blame God and says, well, if God was really a loving God, he would not let bad things happen to good people. And he certainly wouldn't let good things happen to bad people. Other people say bad things happen because you may have a lack of faith in your life. And if you have a lack of faith, then bad things are going to happen. But then on the other side, other people may say, well, you make your own luck in this life. And, you know, if bad things are happening to you, then it's probably your own result. And if good things are happening, well, you probably made that yourself. I became a Christian over 25 years ago. I really don't look old enough to be a Christian 25 years, do I? Do I? No. (laughs) 25 years ago, I became a Christian. And I'll be honest, for the majority of that time, I have been searching and asking the, uh, this question to God. I've been searching for the answer of why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? And I think I'm pretty selfish, really, because if I knew the answer, I'd write a book and it would sell millions and millions and people would never ask that question again. But I could never find the answers and, and, and the answers to the questions I was looking for. But yet, in the middle of spring this year, Just after we came into this movie theater, I started discovering some of the answers to the questions I was looking for. I was going through a personal struggle in my own life. And I opened up the book of Ecclesiastes 
And I started reading through the, the book of Ecclesiastes. And I started finding answers to my questions. And I, before we go any further this morning, you're not going to go out of this place and be able to write a book yourself and say, hey, I know why bad things happen to good people. I think you're probably going to go out of this place this morning with even more questions than answers. But I want to share with you just a personal struggle that I was going through this spring. Around about May time, I suddenly realized that my wife and myself had been married for almost six years. It was six years this August. And we had talked many times, and we're not young whippersnappers anymore, you know? We're, we're getting old. We're not old, but we're getting on. Six years of marriage, and in those six years, we've never been able to have a child. And it's a, been a struggle. We've talked about it. We've cried about it. We've questioned God about it. We've tried to search for answers about it. But still, no child. And after six years of marriage and not being able to have a child, and for those of you who know Raquel, you know that if there's anything she loves in this world, it's children. I mean, I think she's like the most awesome kids pastor ever. And she's just, you know, loves children. And it's been a question that I have asked and asked and asked of God probably since about two years into our marriage. God, why have we not been able to have children? And this is something we've never shared, and I've never shared before. But it was through this struggle I started finding these answers to life. And these were my questions to God. God, why? Why us? God, are you going to do anything about it? Are you going to provide us? Are you going to let us be able to, be able to have children? I remember we were going through the Abraham series back uh, uh, in February of this last year. And it was all about Abraham not being able to have children. And I remember going through it and Abraham finally had children. I'm like, God, are you going to provide us? And I really struggled and struggled. And the questions kept coming. Well, is it because we'd be bad parents? Is it, is it because we've done something bad in our past? Is my past catching up with me that, 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 uh, that now God is punishing me? Is God punishing us? And the questions kept coming and coming and coming. And I'll just be very honest and transparent with you this morning. You know, I may be a pastor, but I still struggle with a lot of those questions that you struggle with. Sometimes I ask God, where are you in this? But yet, as I started to open the book of Ecclesiastes, I both found myself enlightened. And also, I found that I had the biggest reality check of my life. While Solomon constantly said throughout the book that life is meaningless. That's all we see in this book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon says, life is meaningless. Life is just like chasing the wind. What is the point? I mean, Solomon says, just go and have a good time. Go eat, drink, and be merry because life is pointless. And I'll be honest with you this morning, as I'm reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, Solomon, you've got it wrong. Life is not meaningless. And I don't know if I'm wrong this morning, but all I think, I think there is meaning to life. I think there is purpose to life. I think there is a grand plan to life. 
I honestly do not believe that God would have sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, die at the hands of men for the sins of men if life was meaningless. I've discovered that really life is one of meaning and purpose. And in fact, life has so much more meaning and purpose than what we can ever understand. And because of that, I think I've become very content with the answers that I've been searching for for almost 25 years. I think if life was meaningless, then yes, I would probably curse God because of our bad luck. If life was meaningless, I'd probably blame God because of our bad luck. However, I've discovered that the purpose of my life is so much bigger, so much bigger than my desires. And I've come to the conclusion, if my desires do not turn out the way that I want them to, it is okay. And that is because my existence and my purpose matters more to the outcome of eternity than giving me what I want for this limited amount of time that we have on earth. Like I said, it was a reality check. And for you today, your purpose and, your, uh, and the meaning to your life and the plan that God has for you is so much more than anything that you are facing right now. It is so much more than anything that happens just on this limited time that we are here on, it, on, on earth. Your purpose and the meaning of your life is a meaning for eternity, not just for 80 or so years that you have on this earth. I discovered in, 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 in the book of Ecclesiastes that there are two realities about life. And these two realities I want to share with you today. And like I said, they're probably going to leave you with more questions than answers. But one thing I do promise you today, that by the end of today, I hope and I believe that you may understand why you are struggling to find those answers why you're struggling to find those answers. So if you have your Bibles today, if you want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And for those of you who have been going through this series, we skipped a whole bunch of chapters. And we're really not going to deal uh, much in chapter 7, chapter 8, some parts of chapter 9 and chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes. Let me just say on, on a side note, these, book, these chapters have so much wisdom. They're basically verse after verse of wisdom in life. If you want to know how to deal with your finances, then read those chapters. If you want to know, if you have struggles with your marriage, then, then read those chapters. If you're struggling in anything in life, then read those chapters. They're just full of wisdom. But we would be here till the cows come home, if, you know, if, till after Christmas, anyway, if we went through this whole book. And we just don't have time to do that. So we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 11 and 12. And this reality is what I call the reality of the rain and the sun. The reality of the rain and the sun. This is what Ecclesiastes 9.11 says. Solomon says, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. People can never predict when hard times might come. 
Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. I think there is one thing that is certain in life, and that's this. It's not death and taxes, but it's that there is nothing certain in life. One certainty, there's nothing certain. You can go to the best school. You can come up with the best business plan. You can be wise beyond your years. You can be the best parent there is. You can be the best husband or wife there is. You can be the best salesperson. You can be the greatest teacher there ever was. However, that will not guarantee success in life. Solomon says here, he says, you can be the fastest runner, but not win. You can be the most skillful person or the wisest person, but still go hungry. And Solomon here gives us a reality that he sees in life. He says that life is chance. He basically uses an example as a, of a bird or, or, or a fish. Let's say you've got a fish. We'll call the fish maybe Nemo. And uh, so Nemo's swimming around. He may be the strongest fish there is. Nemo wasn't strong. He was pretty weak. But maybe the strongest fish there was. Maybe the greatest hunter there is in the seas. Knowing exactly what to do, be smart, know when to swim, when not to swim. But yet one day that fish, Nemo, is, is, is in the ocean swimming and suddenly a fisherman's net comes down. And suddenly Nemo is now my sushi for the day. He can be the strongest fish, but yet things happen in life like fishermen's nets and they come down and they catch it. Solomon also says, well, what about the bird? The bird can be the strongest bird. It can be the fastest bird. It, can be, it could soar like an eagle. It can hunt like a hawk. But yet, if it comes across a trap, it cannot get out of a trap. Basically, Solomon here is saying, he uses these illustrations as an example to say there is nothing certain in life. Hard times come and hard times go. There are rich people, there are poor people, there are educated people, uneducated people, there are smart people, there are stupid people, there are wise people, there are foolish people, there are those who are strong, those who are weak. And whatever category you may fit in today, Solomon basically says this. He says, it doesn't matter because life happens. And when life happens, it is uncertain. So for those of you And I try not to be too depressing this morning. But for those of you who are searching for a mate, life does not necessarily mean that you'll find that mate. For those of you who are trying for a baby, life does not necessarily mean you'll get what you're trying for. For those of you who are struggling and struggling, paycheck to paycheck, Life does not necessarily mean that you will ever become that rich person. Because that's life. And that's what Solomon says here. He says that's life. And many people, they curse God because of their bad luck or the tragedy that happens. Many blame themselves or others. Some people blame the stock market. Others blame their parents. Some people blame their spouse. Some blame their kids. We can always blame it on the kids, right? Yet Solomon basically says, that's life. Hard times come, struggles come, 
There are things in life that will happen basically because that is life. And you may say, well, where's God in all this? If that's life, then where's God? Well, let me give you some words that Jesus said. It was, he said it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. And he was talking about a different matter than what we're talking about today. But the words of Jesus still relate a little bit to what we're saying. And in Matthew 5.43, he says this. He says, you have heard that the law, well, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, and this is what Jesus says, I says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from everyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So here Jesus is basically talking about loving your enemy. Basically they're saying, well, why should I love my enemy? Why should I love the people who, who don't like me? I should only really love the people who I like. And Jesus says, no, you should love your enemy. He says, basically, going on, he says, the reason you should love your enemy is this. It's because no matter what happens in life, no matter whether it rains, it pours, or the sun shines in life, things happen. People get put in wrong situations. People get caught in hard places. And Jesus says here, he says that whether the, the sun shines, the sun will shine on both the good and the bad. Then he says when the, rain, when the rain pours, the rain will pour on both the good and the bad. Have you ever seen those cartoons where, where you've got some guy who's just had a real miserable day and he's just got a cloud over his head and the rain's just pouring on him and nobody else? That's not life. Sorry, that's not life. When it rains, it rains on all of us. When it, the sun shines, it shines on all of us. And Jesus here is basically using an example of agriculture. He's speaking to people who know what it is to be farmers, to plant seeds. And basically, he's saying here, and he knows the people who are listening to this, they know that they need the sun in order to grow their crops. But they also need the rain in order to feed their crops. If you have one without the other, you're not going to get good crops. And Jesus here is saying, he says, when I shine my sun, it's going to shine on everyone. And when I pour my rain, it's going to rain on everyone. And for some people say, well, that's not fair. If Jesus is going to rain on, sun, on everybody, well, why can't he just rain on the good when they need rain and then let the sun shine on the good when they need rain and then do nothing for the wicked? But the problem is, even though we may say that is not fair, it really is fair. The Bible says that the Lord, God, 
is the fairest of 10,000. He is the fairest there is. And God being a God who he is, loves every one of us equally, no matter what we've done in our lives. We can be a wicked person, but yet God still loves us. And because God still loves us, he still gives us the same opportunities in life. He will still rain on us. He will still let his sun shine on us. He won't forsake us. That's life. And it really is fair because God is fair to all. He's not just fair to the good, but God is fair to the bad as well. And the problem is, is so often we view our lives or we view life of how we want to see life. We want everything to be good and everything to be rosy. And the problem is that is not life. We think these things are important in life. All this is important in life. Yet God views our lives as something so different. I want to give you another story. In the Bible, Jesus went to somebody's house. And this is what it says. It's in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. He says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Now her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, it doesn't, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I, I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, how many of you have ever been in a situation like that where, where you are doing stuff in the house, you're doing housework, you're cooking, you're really busy, and then either your spouse or your kids are just sitting in front of the TV, just flicking channels? And you're just getting mad and mad and mad and mad. Well, this is Martha. Martha is working because Jesus is coming to her house. She's preparing this huge feast. She's cleaning the house. And Mary just sits down and does nothing to help. Martha is is really mad at this point. And she is not happy at all. And then she says this. She said, Lord, tell her to come and help me. But Jesus, the Lord, said to her, My dear Martha, You are worried and upset over these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. What happened is Martha got so consumed with the details of life that she forgot the thing that was the most important thing in life. And that was Jesus Christ. And so often we can be so much like Martha. We can have good intentions. We're like, God, I want to I I be the best spouse I can. I want to be the best parent. I want to do everything I can for my kids. I want to be financially responsible. And I, I want to keep a good home. I want to be a good employee or, in, or employer. And we are so consumed, consumed by those details. That we become like Martha and we totally miss the whole reason why those details are there. Mary went and sat at Jesus' feet and just listened to Jesus. And Jesus says, Mary has done the right thing. And for your lives, you may be so consumed at the moment with what is bad or things that are going on in your life. Can't I catch a break? Why are bad things happening to me? 
Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And our lives can be so consumed by all these details that we totally miss the whole meaning of our lives. There were people who live this life just going from thing to thing to thing because they are so consumed with the details of life. And Jesus says, Martha, stop being consumed with the details. Know what's important in this life. And for you today, no matter what you may be going through, those details aren't the important thing. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. It's what God is doing in your life. And for, for me, this past May, as I was struggling with my personal struggle, God, why, why, why? And I came to the conclusion, it doesn't matter why. Because my life is not about me and my desires. It is about the Lord and giving God glory and living a life that is holy unto God. And if that means I don't get something that I want, that's okay. Because they're just details. Some of them are major details, but they're details. The reality of the sun and the rain. The second thing, and we'll close with this this morning... The, the, the other reality that we see in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I call it the reality of God's ways. The reality of God's ways. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 to 6, it says this. It says, Send your grain across the seas, and in time profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. That's a fact of life. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. It doesn't just get up and walk away. It stays there. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. Basically here, Solomon is saying, he's saying there are no guarantees in life. No matter how hard you try, there are no guarantees. And there is something in life that you will never be able to understand. Or you will never be able to achieve. And that is this. Understanding God. Understanding God. Solomon says that there's things that you just can't predict in life. You can't predict if it's going to rain or if the sun's going to shine. Just ask the weathermen. They get it wrong all the time. You can't predict these things at all. Why does God allow some things and not others? We don't know. Why does God act in some ways and not others? We don't know. Why? Because we will never understand the mystery of God. You can strive and strive all your life trying to understand God, but you will never ultimately understand the mystery of who God is. Sometimes I ask God crazy questions. Silly questions. Like I'll be sitting on my deck 
And I hate insects. I'm like, especially flying insects. If there's one by me, I will freak out and like, you know, wasps. I cannot stand wasps. And this year, I killed, well, I destroyed three huge wasp nests, like in the eaves of our deck. They just kept coming back and back. And I was, I was, as I was killing them, I was like, God, what is the point of a wasp? What's the point of a wasp? Now, we know what the points of bees are. Bees make honey and they pollinate and things like that. But wasps, they just fly around, they're a nuisance, and they sting. What is the point? And you know what God said? Nothing. He didn't answer me. Because there's some things in life that we won't know. We'll never understand. And, you know, science is starting to understand some things in life. For example, it understands how a baby goes from just a seed and an egg to becoming a fully grown baby inside a womb that comes out and is a living person. Science understands how a baby grows. But one thing science does not understand, no matter how much they try, is exactly really how it happens. How a baby is really formed and is born. How does a baby know to grow arms and legs and eyes and nose? Science does not know that. Yeah, they know how how a baby's formed. I hope you guys know how babies are formed as well. And they know how a baby grows. But they do not know how a baby really grows. They can't duplicate it. Even though they try, they can't. Why? Because there are some things in life that we were never meant to understand. The way God works is both a mystery and also to us, it's sometimes it's a misunderstanding. Because we don't understand God, sometimes we think God is against us. And when problems happen, we think God is punishing us. And the problem is, this is a problem. Because there are some things in life you were never meant to understand. You were given just a human mind. And our human mind is capable of some things but we cannot understand all things. And basically, if you were to understand it, your mind would not be able to consume it. And literally, it would blow your mind. Literally. Because there are some things that you were never meant to understand. In Isaiah chapter 55, and verse 8 and 9, it says this. It says, and this is God speaking to Isaiah. He's saying, my thoughts are nothing like Your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is on a totally different level than what we are. There is something... Humanity throughout history has not learned. And that is this. We are not God. And we will never really understand God. He gives us a book to guide our lives so we can understand some of his ways. But ultimately, we are not God. We will never truly understand God. And if we're not God, and we will never understand God, that means there's some things in life we will never find the answers to. We will never find the answers to. And for some of you, that's not good enough. For some of you, 
You want answers to your questions. And for a lot, that may be a problem. It may be a stumbling block for you. And the reason for that is because if you are someone who has to see before you believe, or if you have to understand before you follow, then you won't get very far because there is a fact of life. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. We are on a totally different level than God. You know, you can't see that unborn baby growing inside its, its, its mother's womb. Yeah, you may have some ultrasound that you can see it or hear the, heart, uh, hear the baby's heart, but ultimately, you can't see that baby really growing. But yet, there's something inside of you that believes that that baby will grow. You, a lot of you, maybe this, this summer or, or maybe over Christmas, you're going to be getting on a, on a jet plane and you're going to fly somewhere. Let's be honest, unless you're a genius, how on earth does a heavy plane get up in the air? I have no idea at all. How does a plane get up in the air and travel thousands of miles without dropping out of the air? I don't know. I'm not that smart. But I have no problem in getting on a plane. And most of you, you probably have no idea, no problem in getting on a plane. Unless you missed a T, then you don't want to get on a plane. But yet, when it comes to God, there's things that we don't understand. There's things we'll never know. But yet, it's a stumbling block because we just can't follow God that way because we don't understand it. We don't have the answers. And unless you put that aside and you start to believe and have faith in God for what God says He will do, then you will never get very far. So often... We can look at the things in life and we can think there's nothing good. There's bad things happening to good people. There's good things happening to bad people. And like Solomon, we can just look at life and we can think life is just pointless. Life is meaningless. Life is just like chasing the wind. A totally pointless activity. But yet when you start to grasp hold of the reality that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. When you start to realize that you matter to God. That you're not just a pawn in a grand game of chess that God is playing. But in fact, you're a child who he loves so dearly. When you understand that God is so much greater than what we are. And because he's so much greater, he's so much bigger. Then in all reality, we will never have the capacity to fully understand God. When we start to understand this, something beautiful in life comes out. And I'll tell you today, I can't explain why good things happen to bad people. And I really can't explain why bad things happen to good people. You know, I'm not God. But however, there's one thing I do know. That one day, that's what is broken will be mended. That what is hurt will be pain-free. That which is dead and dying will come back to life. That which is gone will be restored. That which is ugly will become beautiful once again. And that what is painful will become so freeing. In Isaiah 55, after he says to Isaiah that my ways are not your ways, the heavens are higher than the earth. He says this, he says, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. 
They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word, the word of God. He says, I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And my word will prosper wherever I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song. And the trees of the fields, they will clap their hands. Now listen to this. It says, now where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles once grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will give great honor in the name of the Lord. They will be an everlasting sign of the power and love of the Lord. Where once there were thorns, beautiful trees will rise. Where there were just nasty weeds and nettles, beautiful plants will take their place. And today you may be living a life or going through things and it may be feel like you're just going through those thorn bushes in life. Bad thing after bad thing. Bad luck after bad luck. Thing after thing. And nothing seems to go your way. That may be so. But there will be one day. One day where those thorn bushes of life will be removed and in its place something glorious and mighty and beautiful will stand in its place place you may be going through some real heartaches in your life at the moment but there will be one day where those heartaches will be removed and you will have such joy and such peace you may be going through a bad marriage or some situations in your marriage there will be one day where that marriage will be bliss and beautiful you may be struggling trying to parent your kids. There will be one day where you will look at your kids and you will embrace them and they will love you like no other. You may be struggling financially and you're living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. There will be one day where you will not have to worry about finances anymore. And whether that happens on this life, on this earth, or it happens in the next life, I don't know. But all I know is this. Is that you matter to God. God has a purpose for you. And unlike Solomon who thought everything was meaningless. No, not everything is meaningless. Jesus Christ died for you because you matter to him. And because you matter to him, there is purpose and there is meaning. And trials may come, problems may come, hard times may come. And we can't explain them. We don't know why. But all I know is that God is in control. God is sovereign even though at times I'm like, God, really are you sovereign? Yes, God is sovereign. He is in control. And there will be a day where there will be no more tears, no more weeping, no more pain, no more problems. And it will be a day that you will rejoice and be glad. Let's pray.